Hey everyone, it's Tom from the Not A Foodie Podcast. Boy, are you in for a treat today. We've got Bobby Burns, uh, our local barman, who is the biggest whiskey nerd I know. And this is an awesome episode. Mike gets progressively drunk, as do we all, but I think it hits Mike. And it's funnier because Mike actually has to go to work after we record this podcast. Um, But anyway... Uh, before I get to the podcast, I just want to remind everybody, follow us on Instagram at notafoodiepicks on Instagram, and you can always email me, tom at notafoodie.com or mike, mike at notafoodie.com. And that's it. Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. Here we go. From the Not A Foodie studio, which is not a studio, it's just my dining room table, which today is covered in different types of alcohol, uh, it's the Not A Foodie podcast. So I'm Tom. I'm Mike. And today we have a special guest. This is this is an episode that I'm very much looking forward to. So uh, Mike and I have talked about the Farcell Station House, which is our little, little bar. Probably every episode. Yeah. So today joining us, we've got uh, Robert Bobby Burns. Bobby is uh, the manager of Station House. Uh, general manager. General manager of the Station House. Cocktail genius. Cocktail genius. Someone who... Um, <laughs> well, cocktail enthusiast and definitely whiskey enthusiast. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, because when you have a podcast, people come bearing gifts, um, Bobby brought, wow, one, two, three, four, five, six bottles that are just like regular clear bottles with um with good old you know masking tape on them labeled and then one really really interesting special bottle that we'll talk about in a little bit so um i think today we wanted to talk about uh whiskey booze it's the booze episode most important question bobby yeah how do you feel about fernet uh how do i feel about fernet uh you know i need to try more Frenets. Everybody just goes to uh, Frenet Branca. Well, that, that's but, what I'm talking about. Yeah. How do you feel about it? As uh, someone that, when when you tell someone that you're you manage Station House and then they give mm-hmm. you a shot of Frenet on the house, oh, that's fine. That's <laughs> not, I'm not going to turn down a, no. a, a shot of Amaro. Give me any Amaro, I'm going to shoot it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How do I? Uh, maybe I prefer Montenegro or something like that. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's something going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't get it. No, I mean it's right. not a it's not a preferring of like I I straight up like Fernet and Mike just thinks it's disgusting. Mike I, thinks I that hate it's a Fernet. He thinks that anybody that likes Fernet is sort of just putting on you know this false like Put hipster thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I I think Fernet is definitely one of those things where it's like um, you know some people love it, some people hate it. Yeah, you know, Fernet and Coke. Have you ever done that? That's big no, it's, yeah, it's a big Argentinian thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I've never done that, but it sound that uh, that doesn't sound too appetizing to me just Fernet because Coke. I really like the flavor of Fernet. But so maybe it can be uh, drink number eight. Yes, <laughs> it might be. I don't think we have any Coke in the house. <laughs> anyway, so Bobby, let's get to uh, let's get to the good stuff. Like, what did you bring us? What do you got there? All right. So um, one of my favorite things to do is to find... Uh, good cheap whiskeys. There's a there's a lot of whiskey on the market that uh, you're really not going to pay all that much for. 
often it's hard to find. I really wanted to have Old Charter today, um, but that's like one of those whiskeys where like you'll pay $27, but you've got to search for it. You've got to find it. So anyway, what we have here, we've got um, uh, three different uh, kinds of whiskey that are all above uh, 100 bucks in price in bottle. Per bottle, and, yeah. Per bottle. And then uh, we've also got uh, three whiskeys that are below $30. And we've got, and out of these three, we've got two scotches, two ryes, and two bourbons. Wow. So you've got like a, an expensive bottle of scotch and the comparable sort of $20 version. Right. What you yeah. would think is, is yeah. comparable. My, yeah. my friends did this to me. They, I came to the house a little bit later and they blinded me on uh, two whiskeys. And they were like, just tell us which one you like more. So I tried the first one, and I was blown away by it, and I tried the second one, and I was like, oh, this is, like, okay. The <laughs> first one was Maker's Mark, <laughs> and the second one was Gl- uh, Glenlivet 21. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah. wow. But I See, I could tell the difference between those two. Yeah, well, it two, wasn't two about, <laughs> yeah, it was totally different. It was just, like, which one do you like more? And yeah. I like mm-hmm. the Maker's Mark more. I'm not a big Scotch guy, though. I like um, Irish whiskey the most. Okay. Mm. Like the, what's your favorite Irish whiskey? Like Redbreast 12. Okay. Uh, like a, a accessible Irish whiskey. They used to make one called Michael Collins, but then uh, Suntory Jim Beam bought all the distilleries in Ireland, essentially, and stopped production on a bunch to make more of uh, Tullamore Dew, right? That's the one that like shows up now everywhere. Oh, I'm not sure. I, said, I, I haven't... Uh... Yeah, I remember I, Michael Collins though, because behind mm-hmm. the bar that was like the baseball, you know, mm-hmm. like beat the crap out of somebody with that. I, I have probably like three ounces of Michael Collins left, and it's not even like very good. It's like decent. It was really well priced, but it just doesn't exist anymore. So I don't know when yeah, I'm going to drink yeah. it. I'm, I I feel like my Irish whiskey is Teeling. I go to Teeling. Nice, uh, that's good choice. Like my yeah. my standard, like. You know, people go to JMO. Like, if you're doing, if you're drinking JMO, you know that's just wrong. You're, you're, you know, probably a 22 year old in college if you're drinking, you're doing shots of JMO. But, uh, um, yeah, teeling. And then what are the the dots? The yellow dot and the green dot? Is that what those oh, are? Oh, the uh, the spots. The spots. The spots. Yeah, yeah the yeah. green spot, the yellow spot. Yeah, I have those, no those idea are what delicious. that is. Oh yeah, green spot and yellow spot. Those are different types of Irish whiskey, and they're they're phenomenal. They're nice. like, yeah, it's. I mean, you do a shot of that, and then you do a shot of. Uh, Jameson, and you're like, oh, this is like frozen Elio's pizza, and then Roberta's pizza. Like, nice. it's completely different. <laughs> There's a new one on the market now, the Sexton. The Sexton. Yeah, the Sexton. Yeah, it's um, it's a, a female distiller, and uh, she was a contract distilling at. Um, and I don't really know if I'm supposed to say what distillery it's coming from. Okay. But she was contract distilling, uh, doing a uh, single malt. An Irish single malt, and they're building her a distillery now, I understand, but really, really good. And that's wow. going to be like 27, 28 a bottle. Heard it here first. Not a foodie. <laughs> a sexton. <laughs> yeah, there's, I, I feel like there's still, people have not discovered good Irish whiskey. People still think I, that I don't really is. try. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. It's, no, it, it's, it's not complex. It's not as complex as some of this other stuff, I think. Um, a, I'm just so into like American whiskey that mm-hmm. you know, you know, even scotches I don't dig too deeply into anymore. At Sen, our rule is uh, we're trying to carry every single Japanese whiskey we can get our hands on. Okay. So cool. even if you bring in like a shitty Japanese whiskey into yeah. the New York market, we're just going to carry it because it's another Japanese whiskey. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. You know, that's your that's your niche, right? That's your mm-hmm. your marketing. That's that's awesome. We're doing um a port pipe I- Ichiro port pipe. Oh, uh, the Ichiro malt. Yeah. Yeah. Boulevardier for like ninety bucks. Oh my bucks. god! 
Jesus Christ. Wow. We, we have a... Uh, Are people buying that? No, we sold like one or two. We're doing okay. a, a, a Glen Maroli Sazerac for like 65 bucks. What? Yeah, we have like the real cocktails and then we have like our... Like special high end, oh man, yeah, classic cocktails with high end ingredients. That pisses me off. It pisses me off. It's like people gonna pay for it. I mean, that's like getting a Bentley and then painting it purple and putting a racing stripe on it. We're we're doing Dom undercarriage lights, exactly. Dom P with a five year plum wine on top. I forget a Kier Royale. We're doing Dom P Kier Royale. Oh my god! How much is that? Uh, a glass of Dom is like 55 bucks, so I think it's like 65 bucks. I have to come in and be frivolous. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and we're doing, so, and uh, La Diablada Pisco, Machu Pisco, you guys carry. Yeah. So Lizzie's yeah. the owner, and their highest end is called Nusta Verde. Mm-hmm. It's, they only make 100 bottles a year, and we're, uh, we do a Nusta Verde Pisco Sour, too. Wait, wow. what's Nusta? So Mosto Verde Pisco is like, um, it's called, it's like half distilled half fermented i don't even know it's like very very fine it's the highest quality pisco then they do one which is like the it's the best pisco i've ever had they only make 100 bottles okay. of it a year it's called nusta verde so we do a pisco sour just with that pisco so i'm i'm not familiar with pisco i mean i like i've had a pisco sour i don't mm-hmm. know the differences between a good pisco and a bad like what what what's the main fermentation for pisco so what is it it's brandy it's a brandy it's brandy it's wine it's it's, for, it's, it's just wine. a distilled wine. it started out as like a peasant spirit right and uh you know basically the peasants would get um all the uh grapes that weren't up to snuff for making wine and they would distill that um and there you go you had pisco yeah. and you'd make like a like a sugary you'd add sugar to it and get it no, for the distilling sweet. process i mean because like i know like grappa grappa mm-hmm. they use the you know the leaves yeah. from the grapes and it's you know it's not sweet at all, but I, I know that I've seen brandies where they take the leads from the grapes and then they add. If some sugar you want to do it. a pisco episode, I could get the owner of Barcel Pisco or the owner of Machu Pisco on here. I um yeah, I would love to do they, an episode of any sort of they alcohol. Could do, <laughs> they could talk a lot more about pisco than I possibly could. Shout out Diego and Lizzie. Well, let's talk about American yeah. whiskeys. Yeah, now let's go back into Bobby's wheelhouse and let's get blown away. Yeah, so so what do you got here? All right, so uh, even though it's um, you know uh, counterintuitive, I, I want to start out with the, the scotches, get those out of the way, <laughs> and, and get to uh, and get to uh, the stuff I really like. Not, nothing against uh, you know scotch. I love all whiskey equally. Um, yeah, but uh, you know it, it's uh, we, we kind of also uh, you know we're, we're going to get uh, some peat on our palate off of this, so uh, um, maybe we can even. Uh, uh, just do like a little bit of a shot or something before we move on, just to clear the palate, or just gargle some water. Sounds good. Well, I'm, I'm off later, so I'm just promoting. Like, hey man, I'm going to work right after this. But whatever. <laughs> we'll get Fernet for everybody. Yeah, for Fernet for everybody. I'll just go <laughs> right to Rose's Pizza and uh, sober myself up a little bit. So Bobby's okay, Bobby's so. pouring. While Bobby's pouring, um, I'm just going to describe. See, I I love this sort of thing. I I love uh, my fridge is filled with mason jars that just have tape and you know sharpie marker on them, um, and so I love that Bobby's got six little bottles that are just taped up. Yeah, it was going to be uh, tough to carry uh, all these bottles together, and I did. I've got photographs of the labels because I think there's things that we can talk about uh, that you find on a label. Um, when yeah. You're going to, uh, you know, when you're going to a liquor store and you're looking for something on the cheaper side, uh, there's very important uh, uh, words that are clues and very well put that are on the label that uh, you should be paying attention to. All right, so this 
This is uh, Highland Park 18. Uh, so Highland Park is the northernmost uh, distillery in Scotland. Uh, it's also from uh, Orkney Islands, uh, so it's considered uh, in uh, island scotch. Like in Isla, like I-S-L-A-Y no, scotch? No, no, no. Um, it's uh, it's uh, another region. There's, uh, there's your Isla, but then uh, the islands region is uh, considered, uh, it's like an unofficial kind of region. Okay, because uh, so I know region. Highlands and I know, mm-hmm. yeah. So island. Right. Okay. This is nice. Did you say this is an 18? So th- this is uh, the Highland Park 18. Uh, just just to uh, start out with uh, some tasting notes, if you want to, you know, look for those while uh, while, while you're tasting this. The nose, uh, and this is, uh, uh, I believe, Highland Park's tasting notes. The, the nose, ripe and floral, fruit salad, and honey. Uh, the palate, creamy fruit, espresso, cinnamon, toffee, allspice. Yeah, the toffee, toffee, caramelly sort of flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to also quickly, just to get into uh, a couple of things when uh, when you're tasting whiskey. Tasting whiskey is um, it's almost like the opposite of tasting wine. So uh, when when you're tasting wine, you're like jamming your nose into uh, into the glass. Um, you know, you, you got your mouth closed and you're just taking all that in. When you do that with a, a high proof spirit, you could have some of that alcohol that starts yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Right. I was uh, I was always told. Uh, you do the chew, right? You, you, right. You so, chew so that's your part whiskey. of it. So, so when you're nosing it, you kind of keep your mouth open so that you know you, you can get um, th- that air is going through uh, through your nose, out your mouth. And when you take it in, um, just kind of let it sit on your palate and keep your mouth closed because again, that that uh, that air getting in the oxygen is going to kind of kick off the alcohol and fry your taste buds. So you keep your mouth closed, let it roll over your palate, give it like a little bit of a chew, maybe four seconds, give it a swallow. Uh, some people really like to breathe out after uh, the swallow. That Super woodsy. Right. Is, so it, it, It's peated, isn't it? It's, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I, I hate like Isla, like Laphroaig and Ardbeg and stuff like that. The stuff that like tastes like a campfire. No, that's that you're wrong. No, again. I, I get it. <laughs> you're no, wrong like, again. I, you're, I totally <laughs> I get why people love it. I, it's I just, agree. You're wrong I don't also. think it's bad. Yeah. I just don't like it. When people ask me how I like my scotch, I say, "Have a campfire there on a go. beach, mm-hmm. pull yeah. it out with salt water, and then feed me that that yeah. salt water." That's what yeah. I want my scotch to taste how, like. How, yeah, how much perfect. scotch do they use in a penicillin? Because that's like um, that's like the amount of peat I like, like a little bit of peat, like Bowmore has is like mm-hmm. slightly peated. I like that. Well, I don't like the overly peated. We use uh, two and a quarter ounces, and one of the the whiskeys that go into it, we're we're going to be using next. That's the Cuddy Sark Prohibition. Oh, um, but we also use a, a little bit of uh, Ardbeg Ten. Yeah. to really amp up mm-hmm. the uh, the the peat smoke that you get out of that. Penicillin's a classic uh, New York City whiskey cocktail. It's basically a, a Scotch sour with uh, some ginger and honey. It's phenomenal, and it smell. It has the best smell. Like that was great. Go, go wherever you are. Go order a penicillin. Penicillin is that? That's like one of the first prohibition. That's a very prohibition cocktail. No, no that's no, a milk no, and no, honey. No. Cocktail. Oh no, it's a milk and honey cocktail. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I knew it was a famous bar cocktail for some reason. Yeah, that's. that's I think. Right. Uh, I think that's a Sam Ross cocktail. Yeah, they were, it was the beginning of the uh, the cocktail renaissance. Mm-hmm. It was milk and honey yeah. here in New York. Yeah, and that was that was one of their famous drinks. What are some other cocktails that came out of that that are you know, anything from like PDT or anything like that? Uh, well, well, PDT is kind of well known for their um, 
uh, what's it, a Benton Old Fashioned? I think it's a, a, a bacon wash bourbon Old Fashioned. Yeah. And after they started doing the bacon, uh, the bacon fat wash, like everybody started doing the bacon fat wash, uh, which I, some people love it, some people don't. You know, it's got a kind of a funky uh, consistency, funky yeah. mouthfeel. Yeah. And then the Dead Rabbit, uh, they're, they're like, everyone says you go to the Dead Rabbit and you get an Irish coffee, which is like crazy, but it's supposedly it's like the greatest Irish car- coffee there, and it's like just one of the greatest cocktails in New York City. All right, cool. should we should we wash this out? Uh, yeah, so, um, all right, so that's the Highland Park 18. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably going to spend uh, maybe like uh, 170 for wow. a bottle wow. of this. I, I'm not, I meant to write down the prices because I got some notes here, but I forgot to do that. So you're going from about uh, 170, I'm thinking, to uh, the next one up, uh, Cuddy Slark Prohibition. And just the, the, the Highland Park, um, I feel like you do get, um, like you were saying, you you know, you get a, a, a nice balance sense of uh, of peat smoke in there. Uh, you get um, you know a little bit of brininess from the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a distillery that's you know on islands, you know, in the ocean. Uh, same latitude. The distillery actually is the same latitude as Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. Oh yeah, wow. So which it's is, so uh, north. It's it's very far north, um, but the climate is fairly temperate. And uh, the funny thing about scotch is, you know, we've got American whiskeys where, you know, we celebrate 10 years, like, oh, that's a long, long time. And then you've got scotch whiskeys where they're like 18 years. Um, the, the 10 years about, entry level for scotch, right? What's that? 10 years, like, minimum for scotch? No, 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 no. Uh, scotch, uh, by law, has to be aged for three years. Okay. Yeah, so three years only. But, um, you know, they're using uh, barrels, often sherry barrels, that have been used many times before. Um, so you're not really getting as uh, as much of the wood quality out of those as you would from a a brand new barrel like Mm -hmm. uh, you know we do in the states and the other thing is that the seasons don't quite fluctuate as much as they do here so the expansion of wood and contraction of wood you're not really getting the same permeability into uh, the cask uh, as you would uh, in the United States and then the final thing uh, scotch barrels are typically larger than the 55-gallon uh, barrels that we use in the States. And they're all reused, right? They don't mm-hmm. have any, you can't use fresh barrels. I mean, um, or maybe I mean at a certain point, does. they have to, right? Yeah. No, because, they yeah. buy them used, though. Well, yeah, they buy them from the, their... their the uh, wineries, right? Like, do, do they buy wineries? Uh, wineries? Most of the time are uh, sherry barrels, um, okay. but they're also they're getting a lot from the United States mm-hmm. now. They're getting a lot of uh, bourbon barrels. And Suntory's saving a bunch of money because now they own Jim Beam, so they don't have to buy oh, the barrels. They just send them yeah. all over. Oh. And I believe the, ne- the next one we have here, the Cutty Sark Prohibition, is actually aged in reused American whiskey barrels. Okay, so yeah, the next one uh, is the Cutty Sark Prohibition Edition. Cutty Sark has been around for a while. Um, they, uh, I think, grew to popularity right after uh, Prohibition. They were making a lighter style whiskey, a blended whiskey. It was assumed right after Prohibition that a lot of people wanted a lighter style whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Cuddy was tapping into that. Um, but even during Prohibition, um, there was a ton of scotches that were making their way into the States, some being smuggled into Long Island, um, some coming through Seattle, um, different areas Canada, of the country. Right. Yeah. Canada to Chicago is the, the big one. It's my favorite. My one? favorite little area in Greenport, out in uh, Long Island, is Bootleg Alley. Really, Bootleg Alley. Bootleg Alley. There's a little oyster bar at the end of Bootleg Alley, but uh, yeah, that's named for 
the the place where they you know brought brought whiskey in over the under the cover of night. Prohibition is so crazy. Like, like the idea of prohibition is so insane. It's a, it's a, it's almost like a promotion. You know, right. like marijuana is illegal. Everybody smoke it. My yeah. high school history teacher called it like the worst amendment of all time. Uh, there there are some pretty bad ones, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this uh, Cutty Sark Prohibition, this is aged in American oak. Uh, so with, with wine, when we talk about American oak versus French mm-hmm. oak, the tasting notes essentially are uh, French oak, you get baking spices, and American oak, you get pickling spices. So I don't know if that's a thing oh. with whiskey too, but that's like uh, Rioja does a lot of American oak, and they always come up, there's like dill notes and stuff like that. I can't tell you the difference between, I know um, uh, with uh, sherry barrels, I think what's most often used is uh, French oak, um, but I, I really couldn't, uh, I couldn't tell you the difference uh, in terms of uh, tasting notes that you're going to get out of uh, French oak or an American note. And it also matters if it's uh, new or not, because after oh, yeah. you use it, that yeah. it's not going to really be there. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very, very true. All right, so Highland Park 18 over there. Go away. He's he's for discarding now. the bottles for now. For now is yeah. the uh, operative the, term because those are going to be drank later. Yeah, they're <laughs> going to they're stay here. You can do what you want with them. All well, right, we'll so. do what we want with them. <laughs> Cuddy Sark Prohibition. So Cuddy Sark, I mean, I remember Cuddy just growing up. There was always Cuddy around the house. It was mm-hmm. something. Cuddy Sark used to be yeah. like seven dollars a bottle. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah. It was the the whiskey. I mean, I just remember you know Cuddy and water, Cuddy and soda. My grandfather yeah. would you know would have that, and um, I just always remember that very distinctive bottle with the the ship on it. And, you know. Yep, yep, and and that's the uh, the name of that ship is uh, when they came out with the brand. Um, the name of that ship was Cuddy Sark, and it was the fastest clipper at the time. It was in the news a lot. So when they launched the brand, they launched it with uh, with that name because everybody knew about it. And this is right after Prohibition. Yes. Yeah. Right. And, it, you know, it's funny you bring that up about um, this being like your grandfather's whiskey. Once we started carrying this at Station House, um, we also stopped carrying Johnny Walker at the same time and started steering people towards this. And people would just say, like, I'm not drinking that. That's, that's my grandfather's whiskey. <laughs> yeah. But now people are on it, man. People really dig it. Do you really guys have it. blue label or no, no we, we do. Water? We do carry the blue. We don't have the black anymore. You need the blue just so, to make money. Is this this yeah. is this uh, Cuddy Sark that we're that you just poured us? We haven't mm-hmm. tasted it yet, but um, is this the same? Is that same bottle, or is this a specific? You know, this is prohibition. Oh, so, so this is yeah. This is a, a new release by the company. I think it was 2014 uh, that they put this out. Um, this is uh, it's a, a little heavier uh, in the mouth than um, the original Cuddy Sark. Uh, again, it's uh, it's American oak. Um, I think uh, that this was basically marketed towards uh, bartenders, uh, mixologists. Uh, they got the name Prohibition. They they kind of I guess dedicated this whiskey to uh, a, um, a whiskey smuggler, um, but. Twenty-seven bucks a bottle, roundabout, compared to, yeah, compared to uh, well over a hundred. Wow, I, this is, yeah. and I don't drink whiskey neat. Oh, I probably should have said that earlier. I always <laughs> drink it with one ice cube, mm-hmm. not not on the rocks, just like a small cube mm-hmm. to uh, cool it down. Mm-hmm. This is insane. Uh, in terms of the mouthfeel, 
it's my speculation that this um, the mouthfeel you can tell it's definitely thicker, yeah. a little more oily. But if uh, the barrel that's being used for this was used only once for an American whiskey, you're getting a lot more body. You're getting a lot more barrel notes out of this than you do out of uh, something out of a scotch that's been aged for a while. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely it's not the Highland Park. Mm-hmm. I would describe it as sort of an amped like my go-to always cheap scotch you know around the house all the time was always like a doers it was always, mm-hmm. it would always doers. just be there so this is i know doers so this is this is a um <laughs> you could say it doers. this is a really nice fancy version of doers like i feel like it's um it's a lighter whiskey but it, the mouthfeel, like you said, is completely different. Um, it's thicker. It's lush. It's yeah, super elegant. It really like, is lush. Yeah. yeah, lush is a great way to describe it. It, it, it like this is a whiskey that like a uh, '50s Hollywood uh, actress would drink. I see that. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot of sweetness to it. The, like, like Audrey Hepburn would drink this whiskey neat. The finish lingers really mm-hmm. you know, for a while. Also, like the brininess still coming through to me. Got a, a little bit of uh, the peat still coming out. You know, it sticks to the glass nicely. Yeah, it, it sort of blows me away that this is cutty. Like, yeah, this is not. Yeah. this is not your grandfather's cutty. You no, know? This, no is, this, this is this is good yeah. stuff. And you said this is probably twenty seven dollars a bottle. I'd figure uh, the cutty sock prohibition around twenty seven bucks a bottle. Yeah, this is this like is a good. I would absolutely have this as like my everyday scotch around the yeah. house. This yeah, is, no, I'm gonna yeah. go buy a bottle of this. Yeah, yeah. this is really great. Yeah, it's a uh, really fantastic. Mixes really well. Really, really well in a cocktail, and for twenty-seven dollars yeah. a bottle, you don't mind mm-hmm. mixing it in a cocktail. Absolutely, you know? that's a you dollar don't... an ounce or a dollar and fifteen cents an ounce or something. Um, there's just uh, there's, you get chocolate out of here, you get toffee out of here. You know, so it's a lot of uh, a lot of like bully flavors in here. Like bully flavors, bully flavor flavors coming out. Like I'm gonna get on your palate. <laughs> I'm gonna beat your palate up. <laughs> Tom works from home. Mm-hmm. Bobby's off. I have to go to work in about the two hours, so I'm going to be slowing down a little bit. You, you've got four bit. more scotches to drink. I know that. Four more whiskeys. They have to be half half pours. Half pours. <laughs> so my friend was saying when we did the Amaro episode, she wants us to like rate the whiskeys or rate the things so they so people like have a better understanding. Hmm. And she said we should use piggy faces. Piggy faces. <laughs> Like our shout out, Carrie. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I, I would give this a like. Uh, cut, so, so the Highland eighteen, I would give. I don't know what's the scale of piggy faces. I would give both of them four piggy faces out of five. I would not. I would give the Highland eighteen four piggy faces out of five, and I would give this Cuddy four just general sort of frumpy everyday piggy faces out of five. <laughs> like four out of five. For no, the Highland. no, 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 no. You you have it has to be the same scale. Wait, no. Yes. No. Yeah. It's our podcast. We have to agree on these things yes. ahead of time. <laughs> it should be this. It should be one scale. I'm giving this one two snaps in a circle. <laughs> I, I think I'm staying out of this. Yeah. <laughs> I said everything is relative. Exactly. As as we've discussed a few times on this podcast, it's everything is apples and oranges. You can't do Sophie's Choice about everything. Like, like, like Fernet gets yeah. zero piggy faces out of it. <laughs> it. Isn't there like a, a classic quote with wine, like uh, what's the best wine in the world? It's like whichever one you're drinking right now, right? Yeah. 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 The the best is um, Julia Childs has a quote. Or she has two. One is like, I love to cook with wine. Sometimes I even put it in my food. Nice. <laughs> or, yeah. And then the other one is... Uh, 
it's a champagne quote and it's like you should always have a bottle of champagne in your fridge because you never know what you're gonna have to celebrate sometimes it's having a bottle of champagne in your fridge yeah <laughs> yep. well i've said like i'm a big fan of the tuesday night bottle of bubbles just for for no mm-hmm. reason or busting into one of my top shelf liquors just you know on a wednesday because mm-hmm. why not you the, know the, the mary corton extra brute so what's next so this, um, I'm all right, gonna so. wind up taking some Sunday gravy because I need I'm gonna have to sober. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's got to go to work after this, and I made Sunday gravy yesterday, so he's gonna have a, a meatball to sober up. <laughs> and a line your stomach now, man. <laughs> line your stomach now. All right, so I'm I'm gonna do a little rinse here because we're going from scotch to rye. Normally, it'd be going the other way around, but I kind of feel like I, I want to save the uh, the best stuff for last, so. I feel like um, I usually I usually have scotch in the wintertime and rye and bourbon sort of in the summertime. Those are my, my summertime mm-hmm. drinks. Yeah. Um, I just feel like scotch is, it gives me that warm sort of, um, I want to drink it by the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sort of yeah. has that smokiness to it. My belly feels so warm right now. <laughs> <laughs> Millennials don't know how to handle their whiskey. That's you guys, all you do is avocado toast and, you know, not handling your whiskey. Step it up. Uh, whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what do we have next here? Okay, so, uh, well, should we do rye next or should we do bourbon next? It's up to you guys. I um I, I would like to finish with bourbon. Yeah, I, think. I, agree. I would with like bourbon. to finish with bourbon. I like the pepperiness of rye to sort of uh, okay, you know, compete against the the peatiness of the uh, of the scotch that we've been drinking, and I think that'll set us up for rye. But I don't know what I'm talking about. You're the expert here. Rye Manhattans are kind of a big deal now, right? Uh, rye Manhattans are the Manhattans. That's the way to make a Manhattan. Exactly. Yeah. Classic? Exactly. Yep. Classic. Yeah. It's a, rye whiskey was um, a lot more prominent. Um, it it, it, it kind of came before bourbon. I, I think when people were selling, when, when the Scots-Irish were selling in this country, it was like western Pennsylvania, and the, the climate in that area was more suited to rye. Um, so the rye whiskey, to, to me, um, is uh, the true American whiskey. And then once people kind of, you know, got down to uh, Kentucky, and um, that's where corn uh, grew a lot uh, easier. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of classic cocktails like old fashions and whatnot where rye rye is the whiskey that goes in that, you know. So quickly for everybody that doesn't know, what's the difference between a rye and a bourbon? Oh, it's, uh, so it's real simple. Um, uh, bourbon is basically uh, 51% corn mash. Rye is uh, 51% rye mash. Then uh, the other grains that are going to be balancing everything out are uh, malt. Uh, and uh, wheat, uh, so those are the four basic grains that you see right now in for, American for it whiskey. To be rye, what's the percentage? It has to be of rye. Fifty-one uh, percent rye. Okay. Yeah, and that actually comes from uh, uh, the Taft decision in nineteen oh nine. In nineteen oh six, like the like the the hardcore American whiskey definitions re- really came out in nineteen oh six when a lot of rectifiers were, you know, as the stories go, like putting tobacco spit in whiskey and all that stuff. Um, so um, the Pure Food and Drug Act came out, and I, I think that came out primarily to control uh, meat and, and um, you know that market. Um, but they kind of threw whiskey stuff in there, wasn't defined enough. And then William Howard Taft in 1909 kind of said, "Okay, 51% um, corn mash is bourbon, you know, 51% rye mash, that's going to be a rye." You know, and uh, then, you know, the other laws we had were more or less just at the end of Prohibition, that kind of... You know what Taft also gave America? The seventh inning stretch. 
I did, really? I did not know that. Yeah, so Taft would go to baseball games, but he was super, super fat. So around the seventh inning, he'd get, like, too fat to sit, so he'd have to get up. And when the president gets up and walks around, like... Everybody's got to get up. Yeah, you're not wow. going to sit uh. down. So Taft is quickly becoming my favorite president. He's so, a he's a fat guy that loved his whiskey and baseball. Yeah. I mean, there you go. So, what, name something more American. Uh, that's great Americana. <laughs> fat, whiskey, and baseball. Action Bronson posted on Instagram a picture of him and CeCe Sabathia. And I was just like, that is... Fat American baseball. It's just like yeah. the perfect... Yeah. I would have done anything to be part of that picture, too. <laughs> oh man, look at the color in this. Yeah, so this is so, so this, this time again, around Bobby poured us all a little bit and then he went back to his glass again. I respect that. Oh fuck yeah. <laughs> oh wait, can I uh Yeah you can I, I can drop that fuck you on, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's oh, fine. Fucking sweet. <laughs> this is it's a podcast, it's not a <laughs> We have the explicit uh tag on, on iTunes and, and Mike earns that tag every every po- I try I mean I do too. What? I do too. Yeah, there was one episode where Mike was just like, when we were talking, I don't think it's aired yet, but we were talking about diners, we recorded it, and, oh. and you went off on diner uh, on a diner. All right, so this this is awesome. I mean, the yeah, color of this is awesome. So so again, what are we drinking? Okay, What's, so so I, I, I didn't do this for uh, the scotch. I got the, the labels uh, loaded up here, and that's something we really haven't spoken about yet, but in, going into American whiskey, we'll talk about that. Uh, so this is called Kentucky Owl. Wow. So Kentucky Owl. That that's a classic. He's showing us the label here. We'll put the label up on the on the website. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it looks like it's the original label from like post prohibition. Right, and and it's funny if you actually look at the top here. It says established yeah 79. Eight, eighteen established eighteen seventy nine Kentucky Owl. So old eighteen seventy nine. Wow, right? that's beautiful. Yeah, but that's, you know, and it, all, all these American whiskeys, they all have these, like, fantastical stories, and very few of them are, are actually true. It's, it's always like, you know, oh, my grandfather's recipe was from, like, 1879, and, you know, I found it in my attic. And well, so it's like, Whistlepig isn't even, like, real, right? Whistlepig doesn't, like, have a real distillery? Well, Whistlepig, they, they do have a distillery, but, you know, when a lot of uh, American whiskey companies start out, they're using sourced whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. To start a distillery is, you know, it, it's, takes a, it's a lot of money. You're not, you know, especially if you're doing... Well, it's, it's a lot of money, and it's a lot of time to age. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, exactly. why, that's why White Lightning started becoming very right. popular. White whiskey became popular because you didn't have to age it, you know, and they call yeah. it moonshine, and that's the, you know, that's so the market. So you're not profit for, like, two, four years before you start selling this stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you're not even profit, just revenue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Profit's yeah. like a it totally yeah. different... So a lot of these distilleries now they, they do like gin and rum and stuff like that just to just to like turn a profit. But um, all right, so this uh, Kentucky Owl, this just the rye uh, just uh, came onto the market. Um, Kentucky Owl from uh, I, I believe was a very successful bourbon, but it was only available uh, in Kentucky. Uh, so this company um, is putting out this eleven uh, year old rye whiskey yet um, they're not that old as a company so that right away tells you that this is sourced whiskey Uh, the other thing on this label is that it says is kentucky straight rye whiskey so if it says kentucky on the label then it has to have been distilled in kentucky most of the time you get a source whiskey it comes from indiana it comes from uh, mgpi and yeah there's there's one distillery that sort of distills a Uh, lot of uh they crank out a lot of fantastic whiskey too yeah yeah Yeah. 
but and it, it's there, there's Indiana. no demerit to yeah in Indiana. Cool. Um, there's no demerit to actually sourcing whiskey. You, no. you can get whiskey from them and then age it yourself and do what you want to it mm-hmm. and change the flavors and everything. But like transparency, to me at least, is mm-hmm. what's important. When, well, that's and that's how a lot of um, upstart distilleries get going, right? Like we they, get they source that. it from. That this what MGP is that the name of it? Yeah, or? MGP. Not a foodie ten-year-old bourbon. <laughs> Done. There you go, and you can do it. We'll yeah, it, very we'll easy. This this is fantastic. This is yeah. So I this mean, is a, this is eleven years old, and for a rye that's uh, really hard to find, uh, a rye that's eleven years old. This I saw this in a liquor store two days ago in upstate New York. Uh, it was uh, one ninety-eight. In, wow! In the liquor wow. store, yeah. I mean, this is. I, I was going to ask you how much this costs because this is. I mean, this is cherry and pepper. Yeah, and, like, dude, this just is, the nose. This is oh, five. Man. This is five piggy faces. Yeah, five. yeah. I, I, I totally agree. <laughs> like, I'll stay out of the other one, but this is like the, this is. I, uh, yeah, I don't know how many what the maximum guy. piggy face is, but this is the maximum piggy face. This dude. is and, really really good. And these pigs are excited. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is five excitedly drunk piggy faces. I I have. I haven't really seen age statements on um, rye before. I, mm. Like, I'm not mm. a huge whiskey guy, but just like thinking really quick, I, I can't really name any. Oh my god, the fucking caramel! <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you, you don't. Uh, like Sazerac, I think is uh, six years. There was um, there was another ten uh, year rye uh, that was popular on the market not too long ago. Um, well, they, it's ten years bourbon, right? Yeah, they yeah. do. They they do a ten year bourbon. Um, they don't. They don't do it. They buy it. But um, yeah. yeah so and, and dude, look look at the color of this. No, it's it's a. The, I mean, the color. I mean, this is, is phenomenal. Like this is this is some of the best. Red. Yeah, it, it's beautiful. This yeah. is some of the best rye that I've ever had. This is yeah. this is really this nice. is a treat. And just sticky on the glass. And Bobby's gonna come by once a month and just. <laughs> pour. <laughs> oh no! Check this out. Also, this is um, almost one hundred and eleven proof. Wow. So th- this is over 50% alcohol, but it doesn't even drink like no. that. It's no. So no. Rich and oily. Well, I mean, usually when something is that high a proof, you need to a couple drops of water in yeah. there to open yeah. it up. This yeah. is this is just beautiful. This is mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's I wouldn't describe it as lush like the no, other No, it's very complex. It's it's complex. And you got it the has, wood on the back end. Yeah, I mean, a really, really, I mean, cherry, vanilla, pepper, mm-hmm. and then you, you definitely taste, you know, whatever wood they use. It's, I don't know, I can't tell between oak and cherry or oak. And, I would do, you know, well, this is, uh, you know, by definition, they, they need to be using um, uh, charred uh, white oak. Charred white oak? Yeah. So there, there's a, a couple of things with, uh, just to go through really quick, some uh, like laws with uh, American whiskey. And uh, one of the reasons why American whiskey is cooler than scotch, uh, <laughs> when, um, when you're doing bourbon, uh, bourbon, uh, by definition, cannot have any artificial coloring or flavoring. Uh, awesome. Scotch can. Really? Scotch can. Yeah, scotch can have wow. artificial scotch coloring. from Scotland can have artificial. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my mind. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. They can. I forget what the percentage is, but they can have. Normally, they use uh, caramel uh, coloring, and the only way for you to find out, because they're not obviously they're not going to disclose this on the bottle. I think Germany uh, actually has a law that says if you're adding anything to your whiskey, you got to put it on the label. So, so if you, you can look up German German labels, German labels, wow, find your the favorite German scotch label. whiskeys. Do you know about yeah. the Reinheitsgebot, Tom? The what? The Reinheitsgebot. Uh, right. the, the, yeah, the beer the laws? Ger- it's 
it's German purity beer laws. Mm. Essentially, it's this. You can only use wheat, or sorry, grain, water, hops, and yeast to make beer. That's why there's no chocolate stouts coming out of Germany. And like, so fracking, Germans take the Reinheitsgebot so seriously that fracking would fuck up their water and would affect the Reinheitsgebot and they wouldn't be able to make beer in places where fracking happens. So that was like a main argument is if we frack, we can't make beer. Okay. And then I told it. I don't I don't know where it's gone from there. I'm not following well, it that much. I mean, you telling me that um, there is an acceptable amount of artificial coloring is like is like when you find out that there's like the acceptable amount of rat droppings that are allowed to be in like, you know, mm-hmm. your corn whatever cornflakes or whatever they have. Like this is well, it's, you- it, I mean, th- that that sort of blows my mind. You, you can do it with American whiskey. You can't do it with bourbon. Um, but you can do it with rye as long as the rye is not straight. So if it's not a straight rye, uh, you can have up to uh, 2.5% of uh, your rye whiskey can be artificial uh, artificial flavoring. Well, th- this is this is phenomenal. This is you know yeah. Kentucky. This is a, this is American whiskey right here. This yeah. is American rye. It was fantastic. This is this is beautiful. I'm gonna have to try to find a bottle of this somewhere. So, so for special this, occasions. Do you know who distributes it? This is um, uh, Empire. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this, um, you know, well, here's going back to the whole source thing. You know, um, it, it, it just because you're sourcing something doesn't mean you're not doing anything artistic. So there's mm-hmm. a master blender, and I really should have uh, wrote his name down so I can, you know give them credit obviously but there's a master blender that will take different casks you know and look for uh, the flavor profile that he wants so you know you can buy a bunch of whiskey but it, it doesn't mean that you're not doing anything artistic oh for sure still, yeah. for sure i mean even like the master brewer budweiser like he makes budweiser but every budweiser tastes exactly the same every time when you're like yeah i guess yeah it's you know it's it just you know point. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it. I actually have a lot of problems with InBev that I'm not going to get into, but like the fact is, this guy every day, every year, every, you know, for however many years, Budweiser tastes exactly like Budweiser, mm. and they make. I I think Budweiser pours out, dumps out more beer than Sam Adams makes in a year. Really? Yeah, that was true at least a couple of years ago. We're finding ways to like admire Budweiser right now. It, it yeah. as a. <laughs> As that, while that while shitting standards. on it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's well, you know what? That's another thing. That's I, I'm admiring American. one person yeah. that works for Budweiser. That, that's I'm admiring the Budweiser master brewer. That that's what I'm, it. Yeah, uh huh. Baron von Budweiser. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's like a, an American thing, also though. Consistency, like you know, mm-hmm. McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, Howard Johnson's. You know, chains that you know yeah. built up their brands based on <laughs> consistency. I, I know I yell at my bartenders because they garnish drinks differently and it fucking Ooh, yeah. uh, eat just like, just like the Pisco Sours how mm-hmm. how uh, we do a green tea Pisco Sour right now and like some oh, of them put the amazing. green oh it's dope some of them put the green tea in the middle some of them put the green tea on the side I'm like it just needs to look the fucking same every time like I don't care just <laughs> you guys figure it among, out among yourselves it tastes the same just you make want it some look of the same yes <laughs> <laughs> so it help me with this Help me with this amazing whiskey. Yeah, this is nice. <laughs> Alright, next one. Shoot oh, it, Tom. Just shoot it. Freshman. Freshman. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna savor this for a second. I don't think we're getting two episodes in today. Yeah, this, no. this, is, this is three in. Man, this is it's it's different every time. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, it just keeps growing. That's I get more every single time. It's, it's that's amazing. one of the cool things about whiskey is that your palate readjusts as you go on. Like people will bring in whiskey to me at work and have me try it, and I'm just taking like this you know tiny little sip, but. Unless you're sitting down with it and getting to know it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like th- there's a lot of like different ways you could equate that to life. You know, maybe meeting a person one time and then meeting a person like six or seven times. Like, uh, when you yeah, really get to I've, know had, it. I've had wine and I've made notes where I'm like, oh, I like this a lot. Want to pour it by the glass. And then I'm like, oh, eh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, and this is me sounding pretentious, but I watch uh, La Dolce Vita. I'm a, I'm a film student guy. Like, that's that's what I studied in school, communications and film. And, and I watch La Dolce Vita every five or six years because it's a movie that means something different to you every time you watch it at a different point in your life. And that's how I feel about this this rye right here. Mm-hmm. I feel like every time I take a sip, it means something completely different. It's, it's really complex and really awesome. I try to watch uh, Slapshot once a year with people that have never seen Slapshot before. <laughs> and you're not even really a hockey fan. I no, mean. but Slapshot, I think, is the greatest sports movie ever. I, I won't agree. I won't argue with you. I need I to find this movie. You've never seen Slapshot with Paul uh, Newman? Paul Newman's in it? Paul Newman's in it. It's a it's Paul. about a 70s hockey team in minor like a steel team. town, a minor league hockey ta- a hockey team in a steel town in like, you know, Pennsylvania somewhere and Paul Newman is the captain of the team, old guy, aging sort of player coach and um it's about goonism in hockey. Goonism? Yeah. It's about like, like 70s goonism. Yeah, like frat boy like no, 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 like 70s hockey. It's goons. about like you're going to sell more tickets if you get into more fights uh, and it's about like getting into fights and yeah, I putting mean, on the foil and yeah, that sounds great. The Hanson yeah. oh, brothers. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It's awesome. They it's just, they get these three brothers who like they look like Ramones but not cool, like glasses and long hair and uh he brings them to the hotel room and they're playing with toys. They're playing they, with their like their Tyco uh, yeah. no, their Tyco racing cars, the little zzz around the track racing cars. And, and then eventually he lets them on the ice after like a couple of weeks and they just get into like this fight. It's it's one of the best sports movies. It's major league yeah. as hockey, but like done in the seventies. Is it a drama, a comedy? It's a comedy. It's a two hour long comedy. Yeah. Okay. And right, it's cool. it's um. Well, we can watch. My favorite thing is comedy. to watch it with people that have never seen it before. Yeah. Because the first person I watched it with had never seen it before either, and then it's just like what we do now. My roommate in college was a hockey player, and we watched that movie at least once a week. Like, it, <laughs> it was, he'd have his hockey friends over, and we'd watch that movie at least once a week. My favorite is when they get into a fight before the national anthem, <laughs> and then they're all sitting. I'm listening there. the fucking song. <laughs> They're sitting there, like, during the National Anthem, everyone's just bleeding, and the ref is standing there like this, like, shaking, like, just waiting for someone to just erupt <laughs> into another fight, like... <laughs> I definitely need to... That. I love Paul Newman, his old movies. Oh, cool, yeah. cool Hand Luke. Cool Hand Luke. Classic. Yes. Yeah. All right, so... All right, so what do we got next here? Okay, next up is uh, James Pepper Rye. Uh, James Pepper is uh, really... Uh, it's a brand with a, a lot of history. Okay, this is uh, obviously different owner. James Pepper went defunct, uh, I think, uh, sometimes in uh, the late '50s. But before then, was uh, a really, really um, popular American whiskey brand. A lot of people say that 
um, uh, I, I forget if it was James or Oscar Pepper, the guy who owned the distillery before James, but a lot of people attribute the old-fashioned to him oh. uh, and uh, that drink actually being made for him uh, at a bar in Kentucky. And then uh, he went to the Waldorf Astoria, and in the, the uh, Waldorf Astoria cocktail book, uh, it actually references the, the, the old-fashioned uh, being something that James Pepper uh, introduced. Wow. To the Waldorf Astoria. So we're going from a rye whiskey that was um, 11 years old. That was a straight Kentucky rye whiskey to uh, the James Peppa rye whiskey, <laughs> which I, I don't know. I, I always want to say that James Peppa or James Pooper. <laughs> you know. so, so when I was like seven, eight, nine, something like that. I sprayed my dad's uh, Dracar Noir in my mouth, and whenever I smell it, Dracar now, for whatever weirdo still wear it, I, my taste buds flare up, and I kind of get the same thing. So, so you're saying that the James Pepper... <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I'm kind of like worried about the... Well, it does have a, it does have like a bit of a, a perfumey Yeah, like, like really it. like perfumey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, for me, the front of the palate, you get that very rye sort of um, sharp. Oh, it's super woodsy. Sharpness yeah. to it. And then on the back, it is, it, it's, I, I, and I'm only Ooh. saying that I lo- I've had the pepper and I love, I love having James Pepper like sort of in cocktails mm-hmm. and I've had it just, you know, on its own, but following the, the uh, Kentucky the, Owl, Kentucky Owl yeah. I, it almost feels fake. Well, I, I yeah. will say, you know, one of the things that comes through with this, though, is the, the grain actually still comes through, that, that rye bread Absolutely. kind of grain. Absolutely. For, for $25 a bottle or whatever, it's good. But, like, so usually you're supposed to save the best stuff for last, but mm-hmm. Bobby's doing this so we can see, like, the difference and see yeah, steals. Absolutely. But, and it was a lot more prevalent, I think, in the Highland Park mm-hmm. and the... Uh, and the Cuddy. And the Cuddy versus this because the... Uh, the Kentucky Owl was just so... Well, well, give it a chance, man. No, I I just had it. I like it. You you had one sip, all right? One sip is one date. You need to go on three or four dates. (laughs) And that's when the truth comes out. You've known me for a couple of years, but you don't actually know me, Bobby. It's only usually one one date. date, That's it. (laughs) Then they go running. Then they they run away. I thought it was you just go all the way, and you're like, I don't have any more time. Both. Yes. (laughs) This is, I, I mean, I like James Pepper. I like James No, Pepper. I like it. A, yeah. I, I don't dislike it. I'm just saying the first one was so crazy good. Oh, it was. It was definitely, yeah. the first one was crazy good. Okay, but For, this is, dude, this is the yeah. supermodel that. At, at this like, price point, this is good. This is really, really good. This is fantastic. Yeah, and I, I like that it's very light, yeah. too. It's light following what you just had. But right, like, this right. is This is a really good, just sort of, you have it with one ice cube. Or a drop of water, mm-hmm. sort of good everyday sort of rye. I'm, I mean, I really like this a lot. This has a, a lot of the nice rye spices on the back. It's not as thick and syrupy as uh, as, as the owl, but you know that's yeah, that's eleven years. I was gonna say, is this how how long is this aged? This I believe is uh, let me see, is this straight? Yeah, it's straight, so it's a, it's at least two years as a straight. It's yeah. also a hundred proof, uh, and, and James Pepper back in the day. That's right, you know, Colin sick. <laughs> so James <laughs> Pepper back. In the- I'm the closing <laughs> manager, and there's only two managers working today. That I have next don't you have any office work to do? 
because tonight's the night. <laughs> just bring me on at the Astoria. <laughs> after tonight when I come in drunk and they're just like, sorry, exactly. you're fired. You're like, okay, we have a new manager. Um, yeah, so this is a uh, hundred proof. James Pepper back in the day, it was um, it was bottled and bond, and this is uh, no longer bottled and bond. Um, but they're bottled and bond. What does what does that mean? Bottled and bond. So, um, it, to me, it, it's sort of like uh, it, in in a way, it's like you know how a, a single malt needs to be. Um, you know, a product of uh, one uh, distillery and one distiller, bottled and bond in terms of uh, American bourbon and American rye whiskey, needs to be the product of one distiller, um, the product of one distillery, uh, the product of one distilling season. Uh, there's two distilling seasons in a year. They're six months long. Um, and then there's a bunch of other stuff that goes along with, like, you know, um, being aged in a, 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 a warehouse. So it's, it's the whiskey washing. equivalent of, like, um, estate use, estate yeah, grapes. Yeah, basically, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and it needs to be, um, it needs to be a, a perfect proof. So, so the perfect proof is 100 proof, and that's something that comes from, uh, like, sailing back in the day, like when, when sailors were given rations of whiskey, uh, often they would uh, like uh, mix it with gunpowder and set fire to it. And uh, if it Navy didn't, strength. well, Gen Navy right? strength was overproof. Navy okay. strength was overproof. Yeah. But if uh, if the flame uh, sputtered, it was underproof. If it just flared up crazy, it was overproof. But if if it burned uh, true, it was considered proven. And supposedly that's where the the term proof comes from. So it's uh, there's a hundred proof. It's fifty percent. Um, Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wow. learning so much. I know. I know. <laughs> so I do way too much reading about this stuff, and really, all of it's just to justify <laughs> drinking. Well, we this, do what I mean, we have to do great. in this world. <laughs> but the, to me, this is fantastic. I, you know, because I do like tasting the grain um, in my whiskeys, and and I think you do get a bit of like grassy notes out of here. There's a bit of freshness in here, and you really do get. Um, uh, a grain of flavor. I yeah, guess. well, that's what I was going to say. I guess with the aging process, you get a lot of the um, you get a lot of the more caramelly sort of you know toffee flavors. Mm-hmm. Something that's that they're a little bit more deep, a little bit more sweet. Mm-hmm. With this, you you get the grain, you get um, the sharp taste to it. Um, yep. It, yeah, I mean, you know, it tastes fresh. If that's you know something yeah, that, that people yeah. say, like yeah, it's, sure. it's just. You you could tell that it's a younger rye, and that's not a bad thing. No. It's it's no. just a different type of rye. I mean, I I, I really like this. Yeah, I, I can't really tell if it's uh, over two years. Normally, if something is considered straight and it's less than four years, they have to put uh, how many years it was aged on the barrel, uh, on the bottle. Excuse me, but I don't see anything about that right here. With bourbon. How do you feel about Four Roses? Just entry level uh, Four Roses over Buffalo uh, Trace or under Buffalo Trace? Four Roses Yellow. I, I don't really have enough uh, experience with Four Roses Yellow to. Because um, it's, it's about this, it's cheaper than Jim Beam. Oh usually. yeah, and yeah. I, I think it's a lot I mean, better. Four Roses has been an amazing distillery for a long time. Jim Rutledge was their master distiller, and he he just finally left, and he distilled for them for forty nine years. Whoa. Straight through the the dark vodka years, where you know nobody was drinking um, American whiskey, and um, Four Roses has been, I, I think, a respectable brand. The, the whole thing about American whiskey is that 
you know, all these bottom shelf whiskeys, while vodka was, you know, kind of dominating yeah, the, was the that spirits like the market. Was that the 90s, 80s, 90s? Or? Oh, from the 60s. Yeah? Yeah, from the 60s forward, man. Vodka dominated the spirits market from the 60s forward. Yeah, and... Because um, it has no taste. Well, yeah, there was, I, I mean, plus there was a, a couple of marketing gimmicks that kind of helped oh, along. Oh, like the clear, clear stuff? Uh, there, there was a uh, vodka leaves you uh, breathless or something like that, and that was to promote the idea that if you drink vodka, you can't smell alcohol on your breath. So you can go on your lunch break and just pound vodka and come back and be like, "Hey, my boss doesn't know." <laughs> you know. And working, well, that, and then Absolute had probably the greatest alcohol campaign ever mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, starting in the eighties and nineties, yeah. like Absolute was. That, I mean, it was genius. I mean, you like talk a, it from an advertising point of view. Ad, Absolute was the number one. Sort what of rated was alcohol. it? Oh, Absolute everything. It oh, was Absolute. Yeah, just just the name. Well, Absolute was the vodka, and then it was like you'd get famous <coughs> designers in the eighties and nineties to do Absolute ads. Oh, okay. So it would be you know, Absolute. Keith Haring did an Absolute yep. ad. Yeah. Like it was you know you had famous artists. Oh, okay. Warhol, Peter Max. Who's that? It didn't work. Warhol, I think, did something like the, that. There's yeah. a first growth Bordeaux that does that too. They have Dolly, who Dolly has done oh, wow. uh, their label. Warhol's done their label. Uh, yeah. All right. So what do we got next here? Michter's tenure, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've moved on to bourbon. So uh, Michter's ten. Uh, really quick. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, how vodka kind of took over and everything. Um, so, uh, American whiskey was always like frowned upon. It wasn't, you know, scotch and all that. Uh, there was a couple of brands that came out to kind of push American whiskey back into, uh, the sight lines of the American people with money. Uh, one of those was Maker's Mark who started a fantastic ad campaign. Uh, the slogan was, it tastes expensive because it is. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's perfect. And that's perfect. Exactly. But uh, another one was Michter's 10. Michter, uh, not Michter's 10, but Michter's as a company came out with like the first super premium um, bourbon whiskey. When we talk about bourbon, I mean, the bourbon that everybody knows in is in the Van United Michael. States. Uh, well, no, no, I'm talking about that's like the premium bourbon. Right. But like, like Jack Daniels is no, Tennessee whiskey. Uh, no, is Tennessee eh, whiskey not according to the North North American Free Trade Agreement? Yes, that's considered. It's actually considered a bourbon. So like, oh, really? so what were some of the what were some of the big bourbon brands that that came out that were like back in the the dark days of whiskey? Well, I think Four Roses uh, continued to survive as a brand um, during the dark days of whiskey. Uh, you, you probably had, uh, I think, Old Granddad was was chugging oh, through that. Oh yeah, Old Crow. Old Crow. Old Crow, and there was a lot of we spoke about James Pepper. James Pepper and Old Crow back in, or or James Crow, back in the day, they they were uh, actually friends. I think uh, they actually developed the first uh, um, methods of uh, sour mashing. Oh wow! Uh, was uh, I think it was Oscar Pepper and James Crow, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, Crow continued forward. A, a lot of brands kind of kind of powered through. Mictors um, was not one of them though. Mictors ten. Mictors. Well, well, so Mictors just in general, Mictors was a you know was one of those brands that was just around that they were around and then they they no no they were around and then they kind of like died off. And then they got reinvented. So a lot of the brands that we see today, 
when we look at a label and it says that you know they were around you know a hundred years ago, like uh, yeah, were it's they? Not the same company. Yeah, it's you know the the company kind of like went under at one point. They stopped distilling at one point, and then some dude with money comes along and he's like, uh, all right, that's a great name, great heritage. I want to adopt this. I want to start making it again. So they revive it, and Michter's is uh, one of these companies that uh, was revived. Uh, not that there is any demerit to that, you know. I, I think um, you know a lot of uh, these companies, as long as they're honest about what they're doing in, in reviving a, a, a spirit, that's fine. Michter's, as you taste this, you look at this. It's this like super this dark. smells like my Halloween trick or treat bags yeah, with all the candy corn, sample, with yeah. all the, like. Yeah. Taster sample candy things. That's what corn does, right? Night like, corn gives you that that sweet smell. I mean, this is this is definitely a bourbon. Like yeah. you, you drink it, and yeah. it's it's sweet. It's um, it's really nice. Yeah, I mean, and the color is is phenomenal. You get the sugar blast up front. Mm, yeah, you know, great color. And the coolest thing, in in my opinion, about Mectoris is that they have a very low barrel entry proof. Barrel entry proof. Barrel entry proof. So, you can hit. Uh, you can uh, pour your uh, spirit into a barrel. Oh God, I think it, I think it's a uh, hundred and twenty-five proof that you're allowed to do that legally. We're gonna uh, fact check you. Uh, well, you should because this one I, I'm I'm not a hundred percent on. But uh, I, I think uh, the upper limit is 125% uh, that you can actually pour your spirit into a barrel. Michter's goes into the barrel at 105%. Why that's important is when it's coming out of the barrel, when you're diluting down to uh, a, a drinking proof, if it's coming out of the barrel at like 120 proof, you're diluting back to like um, 80 or mm -hmm. 85 or 90. Yeah. So if these guys are going in at 105 and they're diluting back to like... Um, 95 proof they're not diluting the, all those flavors mm. you know if you're diluting from 125 to to 80 proof you know you're diluting the alcohol but you're also diluting all that wood and all the oil all that good stuff that you wow. get from the barrel yeah I, I never thought of it that way i always yeah. knew that there was that dilution that happened mm -hmm. and i never thought yeah. about diluting the flavors just the alcohol the barrel entry proof is awesome and, and then just it even in terms of mictor's mainline which i think you, you spend like maybe 36 37 dollars for e even those mm -hmm. products they're they're going into the barrel like 105. and how much is the mictor's 10? uh mictor's 10 is do, 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 do. this is uh oh the barrel entry proof on mictor's 10 is uh 103. oh no i meant money Oh, money. Yeah. yeah. Good question. <laughs> um, uh, around 120, I believe. Okay, cool. And then uh, this gets bottled at 94.4. Um, it's 94.4 uh, proof? 94.4 proof, yeah. But this is this is really nice for yeah. I mean it's definitely a bourbon and you know bourbon for me is a it's a summer drink I, I like the sweetness mm -hmm. I like it with my barbecue I like it uh, yeah absolutely you know, Tom I, are you a mint julep guy I'm a mint on julep guy on derby just, day just on der derby day yeah that's yeah. about it and I would never put this into a mint julep well no I, I'm just asking yeah no I am I'm also uh, I'm a Sazerac guy I like Sazeracs I'm, is, I'm a New Orleans yeah. guy I'm, I I like New Orleans I'm mm. This, uh, like, right around January when Mardi Gras starts, like, right before Mardi Gras, I start drinking Sazeracs. My, I, I put, you know, 
crazy jazz on and my kids nice. dance around and have have Mardi Gras parades in the living room. I, I, <laughs> I was drinking Sazeracs. I love it. I love it. My kids don't drink the Sazeracs. My, my kids say, oh, dad's drinking a Sazerac. <laughs> um, but the only six-year-olds that know it, Sazeracs. I know, right? <laughs> but this, the Michter is, is, is like, I like this. I like this as a bourbon. What, what, Bobby, what's your what's your favorite bourbon? Do you have a favorite bourbon? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, are you gonna say a Van Winkle? Is it a Van? No, Winkle? I've no, never no. had any. Oh, really? Yeah, never had any. Had I'll pour you some. Oh, okay, deal. Just come on in, man. It's up there. Uh, just just so you know, all listeners of the Not a Foodie podcast will get a some Van Winkle from Bobby if Wait, they come. How long have you been in Station House? For? Just ask for Steve when you come in. <laughs> I've been there for four years. So I've known Bobby for four years. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. No, I'll give you a taste of that. G- gladly. Yeah. The only time that I've ever had it was um, at a bar in Austin, Texas. I mean, one of those crazy bars where it, lo- it was somebody's front porch mm-hmm. at one point, and they just sort of enclosed it in and made it into a bar, and oh, it was, was like live here. music in the backyard. And, you know, those and it, are the best bars. Oh, man. Those are, I mean, phenomenal. It's like that whole street in Austin, I forget what it is, where they were houses that were demolished. You just came from like a whiskey no, I, I mean, we went to you, New Orleans. You got like a special Tales High West bottle. Oh, that was Tales of the Cocktail, yeah. Oh, see? Oh, yeah, Tales yeah, of the Cocktail. Yeah. Okay. I mean, have you, yeah. Mike, have you ever been to Tales of the Cocktail? No, I've no I haven't done anything cool. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mike, you opened up a restaurant that's, that's about to get reviewed by the New York cool, Times <laughs> in New York. Tales of the in Cocktail. Midtown. Tales of the Cocktail is, I mean, I from, from my PR days. I like how you qualify that. In Midtown. In Midtown. Um, tell, from my PR days, I've I've gone down to Tales of the Cocktail. Like I've I convinced my managers at times, like, well, I need we need to start getting into alcohol PR. Like, um, and well done, sir. And I've gotten tickets for years, for consecutive years, to go to Tales of the Cocktail. And that's in Nola. Yes, yeah. it's in New Orleans every year, and it's where. Oh wait, there was the a huge thing with it this year because the, there's a huge thing with it every no, year. No, no, no. Uh, there's oh, a political yeah. thing. The political thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah yes. that's how I. Yeah. Yeah. But it's where um, it's where bartenders and alcohol producers and distributors and everyone they all get together and just have a big old party down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And we have to do. A, it's phenomenal. We have to go down. Maybe for a new uh, Mardi Gras, we go down. No, tales of the cocktails. Where when we should have. Yeah, yeah, we missed it. Agreed. No, 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 no it's we get time, man. Yeah, once yeah, it's, 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 it's a bunch of. Uh, what is it? July. Okay. So uh, July. Yeah. We'll yeah. It's yeah. always like the worst. Uh, time of year to have something like that in New Orleans. In New Orleans, yeah, yeah it's hot as hell. Disgusting, right? And it, it, it's uh, you know, with all due respect, it's like a bunch of liquor companies just like buying, you know, low-level uh, industry professionals. Yep. Well, we'll go. We'll, we'll do a live. <laughs> we'll be bought. We'll be whores. So we we did the Mictors, and now uh, what's comparable to Mictors? What do you got there? Oh, okay. So uh, Mictors in ten, we did fantastic, right? Uh, low barrel, barrel entry proof. All that's uh, great. It is sourced. J- just to say that sourced means that it's. Uh, so Mictors is come. Does that come from Indiana? Uh, you know, as far as you know, as far as I know, uh, I, I was given some information on actually where it comes from, uh, but I don't really want to say too much <laughs> about it. I know it does not come Fair from enough. Indiana. Um, but it, it uh, comes from close to home. Might not be Kentucky specifically. Oh, um, people but think around that there. It has to be from Bourbon County, Kentucky, to be called bourbon. It doesn't. 
No, it no, just no, has no. to be fifty-one percent corn. Yeah, to be yes. called Kentucky yeah. bourbon. Yeah, it has, it to, has be from, to be from Kentucky. From Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so we did the Mictors mm. Ten, and the next is Buffalo Trace. Last but not least, Buffalo Trace. There's a college in Kentucky that offers uh, a master's in travel and tourism, but it's all based around the bourbon Sounds industry. Amazing. By the way, I love that can, whenever Bobby pours something into my glass, it makes the yeah that that little ding. The little ding sounds I, I like, know, a, like I'm getting a text message. It's I, awesome. I, 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 there's something weird I think with uh, the way I pour. I've just uh, like the, so, so I pour into the glass and then I tap the neck of the neck of the bottle on the glass. It's almost like a, a thing that will like relieve the well. Uh, it's ceremonial, is what it is. It's yeah, you know, yeah. it's sort of like it's an well own bell, man. Do Buff- that and you pour it over. Yeah. Buffalo it's, Trace it's is so nostalgic for, for me because that's what we would drink in college when we were being classy. Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace. It's what you drink anytime you're being classy. Yeah, <laughs> I like it was like pe- kegs of PBR, whatever terrible like Mister Boston alcohol, and then like we would get Buffalo Trace sometimes. From my experience, Buffalo Trace is. The greatest value. Buffalo Trace is the base of Pappy. Yeah. 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 Uh, But uh, Buffalo Trace is uh, not not too correct, but I think you're thinking of Weller. Yeah, uh, JP. Oh Bell. no, you can tell me I'm yeah. wrong. I thought it was Buffalo Trace. Was no, there. no, but Buffalo Trace. It's is, a Buffalo Trace distillery where a it, lot of that stuff happens. Yeah, so right? Buffalo Trace. It's the most. I, I, I'm I'm not sure if this is still true, but it's the the most award winning uh, distillery in the world. Um, they do a ton of different whiskeys. They do the Pappy. They do Buffalo Trace. They do Eagle Rare. They do Blantons. They do. Um, Old Charter, they do Rock Hill Farms. They, they do great make, whiskey. Okay. They make Peshaw's Bitters. Um, wow. wow. They, yeah, there's a root beer they make down there. These guys <laughs> are like, they're just fucking doing shit. They're, they're like crazy. Wow. But um, in, in terms of mash bill, they have uh, three major mash bills plus a weeded mash bill and I think a rye mash bill or the rye mash bill they, they may actually be sourcing. All right, so what's a mash bill? Oh, so a mash bill is... Uh, when you're distilling, right? It basically, uh, whiskey is just distilled beer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's um, long and the short of it. So, uh, a mash bill is basically uh, what you're making your beer out of. Uh, and we were talking about before, you know, uh, bourbon after being, uh, you know, 51% corn and rye having to be uh, 51% rye. Your mash bill is uh, the bill of grain that uh, goes into your mash and what makes your beer. So uh, each distillery has a different mash bill or a few different mash bills. Um, Buffalo Trace has uh, three main mash bills, and I think they have one that's specific to E.H. Taylor, which is another incredible uh, uh, bourbon and rye. And um, they have another one that they, they, they source out in any event. The mash bill for Buffalo Trace is the same mash bill that you find in Eagle Rare. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fan of Eagle Rare, Eagle Rare is, is a uh, 10-year aged whiskey. Buffalo Trace, I, I believe the minimum is uh, four four years for it. So Buffalo Trace is basically Eagle Rare light. Baby Eagle Rare. Yeah. Baby Eagle Rare. <laughs> <laughs> what does Eagle Rare go for for a bottle? Well, here is the really cool thing about Buffalo Trace. Buffalo Trace does not overcharge on price ever. So even Pappy, like if uh, a restaurant buys a bottle of Pappy, Pappy, just for anyone that doesn't Pappy know, Pappy cool. is 
Pappy Van Winkle is the sort of the Mount Everest of of bourbons in the yeah. U.S. It's it's looked at as that. There are what there's are a lot of people who will argue that they, they say yeah, that it's sure. overhyped. Um, I've had Pappy and I really really enjoy it. Um, what are the and age I think it's probably one of the best things that I've ever had. But Rip, Rip Van Winkle's ten. A ten. There is a twelve. And then uh, everything else is Pappy, big. right? There's a, I think a fifteen. Twelve. I think 15, there's a twenty. A twenty three. Is there a twenty one? Uh, it might be twenty. I think it's twenty one, but 20. oh, it might be twenty. I, 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 and I then twenty three. I know twenty three is like the the crown jewel. Yeah. That's the the stockbroker whiskey. Yeah. Stockbroker whiskey. Yeah. yeah. I'm only twenty five. Like, so hey, like... oh, you got Pappy. I got Pappy. <laughs> you guys, uh, Pappy. Good day today. Got a bonus. Pappy. Good day today. Time for Pappy. Pappy. Let's go out for Pappy. Pappy. Yeah. Um. So anyway, Buffalo Trace. <laughs> Buffalo Trace, uh, you know, compared to Pappy, um, there's there's similarities as far as how they are produced. Hey, yo, same distillery. <laughs> same distillery. Yeah. Buffalo Trace is the same distillery, which will mean a lot to certain people. Oh, absolutely. And and so, for good reason. So if I poured you Rip 10 and I poured your Eagle Rare 10, would you... Uh, be able to tell the difference? Would, would you think the difference is that... that Money wise, that money wise, I, dude. Every everything's relative with with this stuff. Well, like, I think with dude, alcohol, it, it, things are priced on on availability, not not on quality. Yeah, you know, things are always priced really on availability and not on quality. Um, so you know, kind of going back to what I was saying before with the Buffalo Trace Distillery is that uh, if they were pricing things on availability and knowing what they could get on the free market, they would be charging a lot more than they do. So when you look to buy a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle on, you know, the, the free market and it's like fucking $3,000, yeah. it's not Buffalo Trace's fault. Buffalo Trace only charged $200 mm-hmm. to the person who bought that bottle, to the company that bought that bottle, the bar that bought that bottle. That bar then turned around and put it on the internet and because, you know, all these people who most of the time don't know anything about whiskey, view Pappy Van Winkle to be yeah. the end all mm-hmm. the be They know the name, yeah. Right. But but when it comes down to this stuff, and often this stuff is not something to be appreciated like we're appreciate, appreciating it. It's, it's often this is a status symbol. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. That's a huge yeah. thing in China. China's buying up all the first growth Bordeaux mm-hmm. because it's like they... They don't know how. They I don't think it's know a, cho- it's a huge thing they, in the wine industry. They just industry know that they're general. millionaires, yeah. so they mm-hmm. have to drink what millionaires drink. Right, right, and and it's the same thing in the United States. You know, it's um, people always kind of want to be able to show other people that they have money, mm-hmm. and drinking Pappy Van Winkle is a way of showing flexing. Flexing, great way to put it. Drinking uh, Pappy is a great way of flexing your uh, financial prowess. To show that hey, I, I can afford this. Well, I think like out of everything that we've had, no. you know, the Highland Park was was delicious, and we had Cuddy, sort of compare it to, and and the Cuddy was delicious for the price point. Mm-hmm. I feel like Kentucky Owl Rye was my absolute mm-hmm. favorite. Like yeah. that was that was my that's favorite. That's the winner of, ever, of the day. Yeah, that's yeah. that's definitely the five pig face. It's also a two hundred dollar bottle. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it should be. But the James Pepper, you know, which which what we compared it to, is definitely a drinkable. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's something that I would have as an everyday rye. Um, But I would say that the Michter's Ten and the Buffalo Trace are sort of not very similar, but I think they're the most comparable out Mm -hmm. of everything that we've had. Yeah. 
And and I really like like Buffalo Trace. I've always thought that Buffalo Trace is is just a value. It like, really oh, is. It really yeah. is. And it still is a value. Like I, it's it's amazing. I've always um, tried to find value scotches and you know like um, mm-hmm. oh there 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 are a couple of scotches out there that I found that like when you first get them they're like forty fifty dollars a bottle and now everyone knows that they taste really good so all of a sudden they're two hundred dollars a bottle but like. Buffalo Trace has been around for a long time, and it's just sort of this this staple, really, really, really good bourbon. And they intentionally try to keep their prices down. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. I think. I mean, if you're like bang for the buck, Buffalo Trace is is the way to go. And just to go on to a little bit about Buffalo Trace and the distillery, they also, you know, we said they put out Blantons, they put out Pappy Eagle Rare, and all that stuff. They also put out um, a lot of. Um, um, on uh, sort of undiscovered whiskeys, they do uh, Old Charter, which is considered uh, a bottom shelf whiskey, but you, it's a four year old. That, yeah, yeah, that, that was the whiskey I wanted to bring instead of Buffalo Trace. I just couldn't find it. It's very difficult to find, but it's one of those whiskeys if, if you're looking to kind of be like a whiskey nerd, you know, but you don't want to spend a lot of money. Um, what's it called? Old Charter. Old Charter. Old I don't Charter. know that I've ever had and that. The four year old Kentucky straight wow. bourbon from Buffalo Trace. Uh, Buffalo Trace also puts out Ancient Age, which is another bottom shelf whiskey, but the distillery is just a fantastic distillery. And Ancient Age is something worth seeking out. It's this nerdy whiskey that when you find it, uh, you're going to be psyched to find it, and you're only going to pay like 25 bucks for the bottle. Wow. Wow. You know, but, yeah. but it's a, another straight um, uh, American bourbon that's uh just fantastic but buffalo trace is, is such an admirable distillery they've got this plaque there and uh on the plaque uh it says uh we make good whiskey at a profit when we can at a loss when we have to but always good whiskey that's awesome yeah that's great and so there's that's something great. noble about it and uh that's pretty cool what do you think um do you do you have a uh, i know that this this fluctuates but like of the moment do you have a good value whiskey that no one really sort of knows about good value whiskey that oh yeah uh it just won world's uh, best bourbon oh shit yeah uh john bowman single barrel uh, I think it got world's best bourbon at the San Francisco Spirit Awards or it might have been along with the uh, Where's it made? advocate uh, well, uh, the uh, first distillation uh, is actually procured from Buffalo Trace, and then uh, it, in Virginia they redistill and then uh, do their own barrel aging. Wow! So uh, it's a Virginia bourbon, uh, and that is—I uh, think you can find that at least before they won World's Best Bourbon. You could probably find it for like forty-three bucks a bottle. Now wow. that they now that they've won, it might be. Uh, it's amazing. It, it it just goes to show that like you know people want to have these single origin sort of things. Yeah. Like it's in one place, and mom and pop sort of make this bourbon, and this is how it's going to be. But you know when you're talking about this, which is what something that you consider to be one of the best values in the world, it's it's gone from Indiana. Like is that where Buffalo Trace? No, no, no. no, but, no. Uh, Buffalo Trace is uh, Kentucky. Frankfurt, Kentucky. Kentucky. So yeah. it goes from Kentucky to Virginia. And, you know, it's all sourced from the same sort of grains that everything else is, is sourced mm-hmm. from and then just finished differently. Well, yeah, yeah, there, there's, and there's a lot of different ways to, to make something that was uh, distilled to taste different. I mean, when you're distilling 
what's the important parts of distilling? Uh, the water you're using, you know, the That's still the you're most using. Important. But what? Well, it, initially, yeah. But I, I think where you really get the flavor for whiskey is um, with the kind of barrel you're using, the climate. Um, and then where water really comes into play is with uh, the water you're diluting it with. So, you know, if, if, if you um, make a whiskey in Wyoming and it's getting up to like 85 degrees in the summer in Wyoming and it's dropping down to like 14 degrees in the winter in Wyoming, you're getting like this large range of We call that terroir. Exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of terroir with American whiskey. Because one of the really cool things about our country is that we have such an incredibly diverse um, ecosystem. You've got, you know, rainforest in uh, the Pacific Northwest. You've got tropical climate down in Florida, you know, and everything in between. So when you're making whiskey and aging whiskey, really where that whiskey is coming from uh, is going to be a strong reflection of uh, the climate of that area, the terroir of that area. Yeah. Well, it's, sure. and it's amazing, and it's something that you know in Scotland when you have a you know when you have Scotch, mm-hmm. it you definitely taste that. You taste where yeah. the, you know the the yeah. Isla Scotches are different than the Highland Scotches, yeah. and different than the the Island Scotches which we tasted earlier. And um, you know that's such a small country comparable mm-hmm. to the United yeah. States. So you think about the U.S. and you talk about bourbon and rye. Yeah, you know, it, it's we talk about Kentucky a lot. But there are different flavor profiles for, oh, yeah. you know, everywhere you go, every little mm-hmm. microclimate, and, yep. you know, in, in these United States. And yeah. that's why I think I'm really excited about the whiskey making in the U.S. Yeah. Just moving forward. I think it's it's something that we've scratched the surface of. And when you think about the history of whiskey making in Ireland and Scotland and in other countries that are very known for their whiskey... Com- compared to them, we've really just scratched the surface, and this is gonna this is gonna be something that's very interesting to watch for many many years to come. And absolutely, and and it's something that you know, in terms of uh, American whiskey, you don't need to spend a lot of money to enjoy it. You know, Scotch is always kind of viewed as uh, you know the, the whiskey that is uh, for the upperclassmen. Um, it's not. It's the whiskey for the person that doesn't know any better. <laughs> it's uh, American whiskey is uh, the, the whiskey for uh, to me for the connoisseur. So sorry, Great. Scotch, but facts. Yeah. Great USA, USA, USA. Oh, I'm not doing that. <laughs> America. So, Bobby, we have, we, have, Daniels. we have one bottle left. Oh, oh my God, I forgot about this. And so I, I right. want you to introduce it. So this is a bottle that we cannot put on the shelf at Station House because... There's a fucking swastika on it. (laughs) It's a bottle that commemorates the uh, invasion of Normandy D-Day. So there's a jackboot stepping on the swastika. Uh, yes, this, it's not. It's not a Nazi whiskey. Yes, <laughs> this is not Nazi whiskey. It's American as fuck. So yeah. it, it is America killing Nazis. <laughs> so this is uh, there's a bottle I found at uh, an antique store um, during the when we spoke earlier about like the dark days of whiskey when you know um, uh, vodka was taken over and everything. Uh, during those times, whiskey was trying to market itself by coming out with these like really ornate. Uh, porcelain bottles. So this is one of the ones that uh, Jim Beam did. I think this is somewhere around uh, the 1980s. 
Um, Does it say Jim Beam anywhere on the bottle? Uh, it says Jim Beam right there, right here. Okay. Yeah, there, so there's like so, a plaque. Yeah. On really, guys, for for everyone for anyone who's listening, it doesn't even look like a bottle. I mean, it looks yeah. like it looks like a sculpture. sculpture. It looks yeah. like a sculpture that your grandmother would have, like in in her house somewhere. Like it, it's it's a boot that is stepping on a swastika while it's storming the beach, and it's got Utah Beach, Omaha Beach, Gold Beach. Mm-hmm. It's got the the um, you know, there's sweet, rocks. You know. It's 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 a D Day commemorative, and then uh, it's a forty year. Forty year anniversary. It's got 1984 written on and it. And 1944 on the other side. Oh, there we and go. Ni- and 1944 on the other side. And sort of towards the back that you can't even see because it does look like a, a porcelain sculpture. Towards the back is the um, is the cap where you can sort of open it up and and pour the whiskey. And the tax stamp is totally And cap. yes, and the tax stamp uh, like this has not been opened. This is unopened. This is so an unopened bottle. In college, my friend's dad gave us a bottle of uh, Canadian Club from the 80s that was never opened. So we drank that, and it was smoother than Canadian Club well, now. Well, this is not compared to that. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to see what this is like compared. I've had whiskey from the 80s. That's the only thing I'm trying to say. Like, this, this, I, I haven't. This, this is the first time. This so, is, so this this is fun. Oh, he's opening it. He's oh opening it. I, I almost feel guilty. This oh is a God. podcast that has like maybe, oh, you know, a couple hundred listeners and Dude, he's opening up this, this bottle. For, I got it for $32. Oh, my at, God. At an antique store where they had no idea what they were selling. Right. This is, this is, I mean, this is monumental right here. <laughs> so we're we're pouring open the boot of Jim Beam. Oh, oh it looks nice. nice. Look at that. Oh, my God. It's wow. Little, it's, it is a little cloudy. Dude, but I, it's caramel colored. It's, it's also a pain in the ass to pour. Yeah, it's for real. It's like bottle. dripping everywhere. It's all over your your uh, your your studio table here. Yes, my dining room table. <laughs> the not a foodie studio. Is, uh, <laughs> the nose, which is, is not a studio. The nose of alcohol. Just, all right, this is this is Jim Beam, man. Just imagine you're storming the beach, and this is in your camelback. Okay. <laughs> right. Wow. All right. All right. We're gonna we're gonna set this. Oh, we don't need to set this. We need to shoot this. <laughs> it's pretty dark, though. It is dark. dark. It is dark. Ooh. I mean, oh, it's, not it's, aged, it's aged in porcelain, it's, not, it's not, not oak. Um, it, it's the worst one out of the six that we've Well, <laughs> it's, the worst one. it's the worst one out of the six, but it's yeah. it's it's definitely drinkable and definitely good. If, if this mellow. is what Jim Beam was in, in the 80s... This is, a, is this a, what Jim Beam tasted uh, like in the eighties? Are you problem. looking at me? Yeah. <laughs> when this came out, I was like seven years old, eight years old, nine uh, let, years old. Let's put this up to uh, uh, ten years old. <laughs> let's, let's, do, let's do color tests here. No, I mean the color yeah, is like, like I said. Yeah. the The color is is beautiful. It's a, it's a little cloudy, but it's. I mean the color is. It, when you open it up, you think that you're gonna taste something that's a little bit more caramelly. But this is absolutely delicious. Mainly the coolest part about it is the history of it. Like, like this is probably the last one of these that was unopened in the world. I don't know about that. No, probably. 04, 14, so it's 33 years old. Yeah, man. My grandfather stormed the beach at Normandy. (laughs) Really? Like, actually? Really, actually. (laughs) I mean... He was there like two days after the initial invasion, but yeah, he he, he stormed the beach of Normandy. Um, 
and I'm I, I have a sense of uh, pride having you know drinking this right now. And it's and, and it's sticking to the glass too. Yeah, it's it's not bad. It's, 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 it's not like it's gonna be like bottom of the barrel. Yeah, no, this is this is nice. I like this. I like this, and I will say that you need to you need to keep this. You need to get like this is not. I mean, whiskey doesn't go bad. No, you know. You well, it, 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 actually, you know, it, if uh, there's a lot of uh, air in your bottle, true, true, it, it could go bad. It, it could, could oxidize. Could over oxidize. Yeah. All right. Well, that was awesome, <laughs> <laughs> Bobby. Thanks for everything. Thanks for bringing all the whiskey. Um, thanks for bringing uh, stories and knowledge. I mean, I honestly, I could say, Mike, I, you know, I love you, Mike. Oh, I've, no, I've learned even, more today no. <laughs> than any I, podcast. I can't. I can't. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's been awesome. And thank you for letting me get uh, drunk at your uh, dining room table. <laughs> please, please. It's, we it's a it. studio. It's not a dining room. Table. <laughs> <laughs> it's a studio. Bobby, anything you want to plug? You want to plug Station House? You want to plug? Uh, yeah, the Forestville Station House. Uh, you guys already plug it. Fantastic. What's bar the address? One hundred six eleven. 71st Continental Avenue. It's across the street from the Long Island Railroad and a block away from the train. 15 minutes from Manhattan. We do a lot of those cocktails there. We got a lot of that whiskey there. You drink it up. It's, he's the doing food's his, absurd, he's, too. We're in Queens, so he's doing his Arch, Archie doing Bunker my voice. Archie Bunker there. Eat it. Come bring me a beer. Bring it from Station House. I, I, I had a, a bacon brie cheeseburger from them yesterday or two days yeah. ago. And it's like they put a whole hunk of brie down. And mm-hmm. that picture of me is the greatest photo I've ever taken. That was a good picture. It's the most. That first really off, I, I don't look ugly, and then second off, it's the most me photo ever. And it, it makes nice. me uh, crave cheese right now. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think we're good. I think this is this has been a great podcast. So, Bobby, thanks for coming. Thank Mike, you go to work. You're drunk. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, so Mike. much roses. Until <laughs> next time, this is the Not a Foodie Podcast. Goodbye. <laughs>